Well, today I want to talk about give thanks. I thought that'd be a great topic for, for uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And Thanksgiving's kind of that, I, I think it's a special uh, holiday to me. I know it's not a global holiday, but the United States has it. It's not in the Bible that, you know, the uh, Thursday and, and Thursday we'll have Thanksgiving, but it's still a great holiday. It's, it's a holiday I like because the world hasn't quite figured out how to commercialize it. Have you noticed that? I mean, I know there's food sales and there's a few turkeys that'll get sold to uh, blow up turkeys in someone's yard, but for the most part, they've not figured out how to quite commercialize Thanksgiving like they have, you know, Christmas and Easter and even secular days like Valentine's Day and Halloween. They've figured out how to commercialize all those, but they haven't quite figured out how to commercialize Thanksgiving, so I like that. It's just a, it's a good, wholesome day just to relax and to eat food and I'm sure maybe some of you are at the altar repenting for, uh, you know, all the food that you consumed over the, the weekend. I, for one, ate very, very, well, we'll just go on. Uh, I, cause I don't want to start out lying, you know, at the, the sermon. So it's a great holiday, holy day. Now, there, there, we did have one problem at our house. And by the way, I, like, I don't like bringing up things that are controversial, controversial and will divide. Now, I don't mind teaching what the Word of God says about something that may cause division among people because we need to learn the Word of God. So if, if the culture saying, this is the way we ought to live, and I go, hold on, but the Word of God says this, I'm not afraid to teach the Word of God. But there's some things that just aren't really that profitable to talk about because it just causes division, but I'm going to talk about one of them anyway, okay? Which is not normal for me. We had a little bit of a problem in our house. We set up the Christmas tree at Darlene's insistence before we had Thanksgiving dinner. I know it, man. I know it. First time ever. I caved. I caved. She wore me down. We had Christmas decorations up, all that. Now, for some of you, your, your spirit just leaped because you've been decorating since August, you know, for Christmas. I get that. But, but I've always tried to protect Thanksgiving, and this year... We didn't do it. It was a sacrilege. It was, it was a desecration of that holy day of, of food and rest. But nonetheless, we did survive. Our marriage survived. Barely, but it, it made it. It made it through that. So we did, we did good. It's such a wonderful day to reflect on. And it's, such a, it's really a spiritual thing, too. We can, it, it should be spiritual. Giving thanks is spiritual. The Thanksgiving celebration isn't in the Bible. But giving thanks is all throughout Scripture. You can start in generation in Genesis and go to Revelation, you'll find the word is peppered with thanksgiving and praise and being thankful and all those things. So it's a, it's a wonderful time. Every time this year, I like to go to the Butterball Hotline things and read what these, but did you know that there's a Butterball Hotline? Did you know that? You can call seriously and get information and help and, and they always take note of the ones that were kind of interesting. And uh, this one lady, she's 70 years old, 70 years old, called up and said, I need help uh, making the turkey. I've never made one before. And my mother said, this is a 70-year-old saying, my mother said she was sick and tired of cooking Thanksgiving meal, and I, it's time for me to learn. So, you know, thank the Lord she made it through 70 years with Mama cooking and still being there. Um, another one I thought was good, a better ball uh, talk line staffer was asking a, a, a caller about the, the state of the turkey, 
you know, because she just wants some help and said, you know, how frozen is or this and that. So finally she said, I just want to know, what, what state is the turkey in? And she replied, Florida. Um, so sometimes they need a little help as they work through that. Uh, one guy wanted to thaw his out on the, the luggage rack as he drove to the family because it hadn't thawed out. They highly uh, said it's not a good idea. Not so bad that it would be the thaw of the turkey that way. He's just afraid of a frozen turkey flying off and hitting a car. So it's really it's, it's very entertaining to read those things. Um, so it's a time to celebrate. It, it gets us prepared because we're getting ready to reach, it's already started, the madness of the celebration of Christmas. Now, Christmas is an awesome time. I, if anybody wants to argue with me about it being too commercialized or too focused on another thing, I get that. But it's also a wonderful time to celebrate the birth of our Savior while Emmanuel clothes himself in human flesh and comes to begin this process of redeeming all of us back into relationship with God. So it can become very commercial, and this hol holiday as we move into Christmas and New Year's can, can get us off in our focus sometimes if we're getting too materialistic or too consumer-oriented. And sometimes Christmas causes us to see what we lack. Uh, I mean, I'm not joking about this. I mentioned it last week. We used to get those wish books, the JCPenney and the Sears wish book, and man, that was, that was like Christmas itself as a kid, just looking through all that. And I truly remember as a kid thinking, because I'm circling everything, you know, you, it brings out your greed and commercial and consumerism as you look through those. And I was thinking, it'd be faster if I just put an X through the two things I don't want in this book, because we want so much. Then we get to the new year, and we start thinking about everything that's not right in our lives. Well, by golly, this year is going to be different. I'm going to, and I'm going to change this and start that and do this and do that. And we start looking at everything we don't have or where we lack in our lives, and it can get us off track as well. So I really encourage us to spend this time, you know, the rest of this day and, and in the upcoming weeks and for all of our lives being people of Thanksgiving. A lady named Nancy Ortberg, whose husband is a, a minister, before they got into ministry, she spent about 10 years uh, as a nurse, and one of her very first patients of a, of a nurse was a 14-year-old girl who had uh, had a dirt bike accident and, and had to have her leg amputated down below her knee. And she read her chart and went in and saw her, and the, the girl was in a, uh, a whirlpool, if you've ever seen those, sitting in there. And when she came in, made some small talk, and started talking to her, found out the young lady was a believer, and, and uh, she said the young lady lifted her leg out of the water to show uh, Nancy and said, Oh, my goodness look at how much of my leg I have left. And she was talking to her about how good that was because the doctor said with that little bit below the knee, it was easier for prosthetic and it goes on and on about all the advantages to where her leg had to be amputated. And she kept on talking, but, but Nancy said, I was kind of listening, but I was stuck. I was stuck on her opening words, look how much of my leg I have left. Wow. I mean, I'm sad to say that I would probably be saying, look how much of my leg I lost. But she's saying, look how much of my leg I have left. And Nancy said she wasn't like, it wasn't a pie in the sky or a fake, you know, gratitude. It was genuine gratitude. And, and she said she knew, yes, like anyone, that no one wants to lose a limb. But she realized that wouldn't be her choice. But it was the situation she was in. And she chose to focus on what she had and all the benefits to what she had. Well, this week we're reminded to 
focus and have grateful hearts. It's so powerful to set our minds and our hearts on our blessings. So powerful to do that. And God is super into us being grateful and being thankful. And God does not mind us being blessed, by the way. I often say it like this. He wants us to be his blessed children, but he really does not want us being spoiled brats. So we want to have a grateful, wonderful, thankful heart. And so when you look at the kings of the earth, they're usually, they're usually going after power, and they're usually going after fortune. And I've often been confused. I look back at over the centuries of, of little people groups that want to rule the world. I don't know if I'm lazy or why. I just think that's way too much work, ruling the world. And then you think back in the day, you already have a kingdom that when you get on your horse, you got to ride two weeks to get to the edge of it. Is that not enough? But you want more and more? That's the way the kingdoms of this world is. But the kingdom of our God, he says this. He says, when you enter into my kingly presence, when you enter into my kingly courts, here's what he said to do. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in our hearts and enter his courts with praise. Not with gold and silver and possessions and land and all that, but thanksgiving and praise. Very interesting that God says that. I want you to enter my gates with thanksgiving, enter my courts with praise. Now, as we talk about discipleship, it's all about learning some things about God. This is a very important thing to learn about God. He doesn't lack anything. There's nothing that you or I have that he must have. Because we think about that and we think, what's wrong with God? He talks about praise and thanksgiving and all this stuff. Has he got a bad self-image? Does he, is he starting to get a little depressed and needs to be pumped up with our praise and with our thanksgiving? No. The very nature of a God, and he's capital G, God, creator of the heavens and earth and all that's in it, he lacks nothing. If he ever discovered something that he did lack, it just make it. I mean, that's, that's, he speaks and things happen. Solar systems are created. Galaxies are born. He just speaks. He lacks nothing. So now, when we learn this about God, hold it. So when God asks me to do something, it's not because I'm trying to fulfill a hole in his life. Then why is he asking me to be a person of thanksgiving and a person of praise? I will tell you why. Because it's a blessing to us. It helps us. When we're people of thanksgiving and we're people of praise, it helps us. It doesn't change him. It helps us. When the four and twenty elders are before the throne, all the angels are giving praise and thanksgiving and glory to God. God's not getting puffed up. They're being blessed. You know, there's a coveted position in heaven that talks about, wasn't on my list to talk about today, but it's this, that if you get this spot, it says, you will all your eternity serve God. Now, most of us say, serve? I don't want to serve. But they understand this is a coveted position to be able to serve God, to minister unto the Lord. And it's not because he has any need. It's just the best place to be, up close and personal with the Lord. So I want to look at this matter of thanksgiving. And again, anytime you read anything that makes it seem like God's trying to take something from you, this would have been good advice for Adam and Eve to have had because when the devil came to Eve, he said, this is what God's trying to do. He's trying to hold you back. He's trying to take advantage of you. He's trying to, he don't want you to be your best self. Yeah, he does. They became their worst self when they obeyed Satan and rejected the, the wisdom of God. 
So here's this beautiful passage in Romans chapter 1, 20 through 22. I believe this is the New Living Translation. I used a different translation that says, it, says the same thing with different words. It says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities his eternal power, and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him what? Thanks. And I don't know why that's always caught my attention. They wouldn't worship God, I get that. They wouldn't worship God and they wouldn't give him thanks. It's a priority in the kingdom, being people of thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And we read on and said, and they started going, I know what, this will be our God. And so they began to craft and carve gods in the likeness of human beings or of animals or reptiles or something else and said, this is God. There's a passage in the Old Testament where it says that the people would cut down a tree and they would take some of the wood and they would carve an idol to it. So they would physically spend their creativity to create an idol and then they would put it up on their mantle and they would worship it and pray to it. And with the rest of the wood, they would make a fire and cook their meal. And as it begins to describe it, you say to yourself, that's utterly ridiculous. Yes, it is. They became utter fools. They saw instead of the God that created the majestic mountains, the ocean waves, the starry sky, the sunrise and the sunset, I think I'll take a block of wood and turn it into a horse and say, this is my God, and I will worship it and pray to it. I do want you to know, friends, it's not unintelligent or unenlightened to believe in God. In fact, if you're like me, it seems pretty unintelligent and unenlightened to take a piece of wood that you cut down, carve it into something, worship it while you burn the rest of it to make a fire to cook your soup in it. All of creation is screaming out, there is a creator. All of creation is screaming out, there is a creator. I, I heard a person say one time, said, uh, if you're wearing a watch that's proof positive, somewhere there's a watchmaker. That makes sense. None of us say to ourselves, the clothes we're wearing, the watch we're wearing, the technology we have in our hands, it just kind of, over time, just happened. And voila, we got us a watch. No, there's proof there's a watchmaker. When you look out at creation, there's proof there is a creator. Now, it doesn't tell you that Jesus is the creator to just look at a starry sky or, or a sunset or a sunrise or an ocean or, or a mountain, but it points you at least in the beginning, right direction. There's got to be a God. There has to be a creator who made all of this. And then as scripture begins to be unveiled, we discover who that creator is. So there is a creator. In response to all this revelation of God and of creation and of everything that we look around and see, here's what God says. It's really interesting because we think, God's so harsh and so hard. Really, here's why he says, when you look out at creation and you come to this idea 
and discovery there's a creator, then glorify God and give him thanks. That's it. Not crawl through glass, broken glass on your hands and knees, not grovel, not do any of those things, just give him thanks and glorify him. I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 8 talks about that when we love God and serve God and begin to follow his commands and live a life that he tells us to live, that slowly but surely we start noticing everything around us begins to increase. And then it talks about this series that, that goes on in our lives and it says, and one day you'll look around and you'll be living in a fine home and you'll be eating good food and your bank account will have grown and everything you have will have increased and prospered. And when that happens, here it is again, here's God, so needy. God says, when you see all that, just thank God. Amen. Praise the Lord. But he said, some of you will say this, well, God didn't do this for me. I'm the one that worked hard. I'm the one that went to work. I'm the one that did this. I'm the one that did that. God didn't give me anything. I did it all on my own. He said, some of you will say, hey, it is the strength of my own hand that brought this wealth and brought this prosperity. But God says, no, it's not. Who gave you the ability to work? Who gave you the ability to breathe? In him, we live and move and have our being. If that gets taken away from us, we don't, we don't amass anything. I'm always reminded when I think of this verse of King Nebuchadnezzar. He walked up on his palace and he looked out. The, the Babylonian gardens are one of the ancient seven wonders of the world. And it says he looked out and he said, look at this kingdom my hands have crafted. And it said immediately his senses were taken from him. He grazed in a field like a cow. If I forget how long. Does anybody remember how long he did that? Seven years? Seven years. And one day, it all came back to him. And when God restored that back to him, his kingdom got restored. See, there's something, I really want to say this to you folks. There's something about going with God that makes a big difference. Going with God, that makes a big difference. And, and I have to say this too. So you think if I go with God, I'll have the wealth and majesty and power of King Nebuchadnezzar? Probably not. But I'll tell you what you will have. You'll have a friend like you've never had before. You'll have a savior like you've never had before. You will check out this life and you will experience peace, joy, love, prosperity, blessing like you have never experienced before. Because I do want you to know this. As crazy, wealthy, and wild as King Nebuchadnezzar was, or as King Solomon was, they're paupers compared to what God has. They're, they're broke compared to what God has. And we get to enjoy what God has for all eternity. God's so kind. I want us to look at this set of verses, Romans chapter 2, 4 through 6. Romans 2, 4 through 6. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you, what? From your sin. The King James says, I think, to repent. It's designed to, to move you to repentance. Repent, by the way, means to have a change of heart and a change of mind. 
so you see things differently, which, which when you see things differently, you head in a different direction. When you have clarity, you head in a different direction. And so here it says, that's what his goodness and kindness is. See, everybody experiences the goodness and kindness of God. Now, we butcher this verse up and get a wrong meaning out of it because we don't think agriculturally like the verse was intended. So we, when, when we think as a, a consumer partying kind of society, we think of rain as being negative. Don't rain on my parade. Don't bring tomorrow's rain over today's sunshine. Oh my goodness, I hope it doesn't rain on our wedding. Oh my goodness, I hope that the picnic doesn't get rained out. So we look at rain as negative. But a farmer does not look at rain as negative. Rain is positive. And so Jesus said, God is kind to the just and the unjust. He causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. He causes the sun to shine on the wicked and the righteous. Did you catch that? And so some people say, well, yeah, you know, we get a little sunshine, hallelujah, and we get a little rain. No, it's all good. Let me tell you something else. Here's another thing to learn about God. Everything that comes from his hand, I want to say this clearly, because this is not, it's Bible knowledge, but not everybody knows this. Whatever comes from God's hand is good. Whatever comes from his hand is good. You say, well, I've had bad stuff in my life. That's because we're in a sin, sick, hurting, broken, crazy world. I get that. But anything that comes from God's hand is good. James says every good and perfect gift from above. Comes down from the Father of lights. And he's so bright, he doesn't even cast a shadow. He's good. Now, here's, here's our problem. Please, please hear this. Please, if, you, if you checked out for a second, I'm sure you're not. I'm sure you're hanging on my every word. But if you did check out for just a second, come back to me. God's been kind. His kindness is intended to turn you towards him. But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. Who's storing it up? You are. Well, God's just over-caffeinated and angry all the time. No, he's reaching out to you with kindness all the time. Goodness and kindness, goodness and kindness. Why? So you'll turn to him and go, wow, I haven't even been thinking about God, and look how good he is to me. I put God so far down on my list, he's not even on it. And he's still good to me. And when you have that realization, you're supposed to say, I'm going to serve God. He's too good not to love and to serve. But it says some of you are stubborn, and you're refusing to turn from your sin, and you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself, for a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment, don't miss that, righteous judgment, his righteous judgment will be revealed, and he will judge everyone according to what they've done. Now, I want to clarify something. That verse, he will judge people for what they've done, is for those who have rejected him. Because the good news for us is that he has forgiven us. And we are cleansed because of his. We, we do get rewards, the scripture says, for the things we've done. I get that. But if you want to reject Christ, then you'll stand in your own merits. And you'll be judged by what you've done. And that ain't going to be a pretty day. Okay? But if you receive Jesus, then you stand before him in the righteousness of God. I want to stand before him in Jesus' righteousness. Do you think the Father's going to find any fault in the Son's righteousness? Absolutely not. And that's what we want to be clothed in. And that's what Christians are clothed in. But if we reject Christ, then we'll be judged for what we've done and how we've lived. 
and that won't be pretty. So we want to cultivate a thankful heart because God is good and he's kind. And I want you to know, everyone here, if you are, if you are far from God, which the Bible says this, God's really not far from any of us. You may be far from him, but he's not far from any of us. Receive him today. The Bible says that we human beings are his ambassadors where we beg and plead and implore with people, get right with God. And the scripture says he's making his, his plea to you through that human vessel. And this is biblical. You say, well, God never speaks to me. God's speaking to you right now. Well, I hear you speaking to me. That's because if anyone speaks, they should speak as the mouthpiece of God. And God makes his, his plea to people through human vessels. He's making a plea to you today to get right with him. To turn because of his goodness and his kindness. And then just develop a heart of thanksgiving and thankfulness. So I want to talk about that. How do we create a thankful spirit? Well, first of all, we guard what we think about. Guard what you think about. Guard what you think about. Finally, brothers or sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So we're challenged to think about such things. Now, I'm not a psychologist, but there is one in the house. Dr. Kristen Hurley over here. Are you a psychologist? Okay, psychologist. Want to get the right term there. I have a suspicion, but you can ask her afterwards, did Tracy know what he's talking about or was he nutty? I have a suspicion that she would agree with this. Just, even if we just put the Bible aside and we just talk psychologically for a second, that the young lady who focused on how much of her leg was left, not how much of it was gone, will be more stable and healthy psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and physically than she put all of her energy into focusing on what she lost. Is that true? Okay. She's giving a nod. She's saying, I think I heard her lip to me. You are amazing. I think that's what I, I, I think that's what I what I saw. So, think about that. So, what's Thanksgiving and gratitude for? For us, it's for us. And of course, we go beyond just the psychology of things. We go to the spiritual depth of it too. And by the way, some people want to argue over science and psychology and this. God created it all, so I'm for all of it. He created it all, and I get there's. Sometimes bad counseling you can get or there's bad medical advice you can get, but I'm for all of it because God created all of it when it's good. So that's good advice right here from God. Think on things that are good, pure, holy, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. And actually we'll go on to say the God of peace will be with you. The second thing is thanksgiving is verbal. Thanksgiving is verbal. Thanksgiving is verbal. You need to say something. It doesn't, and by the way, most of these things we talk about, we get these little assignments every week I want to get us through, and most, most of them are just, they can just flow with your life. You don't have to get to the end of the year and go, oh, Tracy gave me 145 things to do this year. You know, I don't know how to do them. Well, this could just flow with your life. It doesn't take a lot of time to say thank you. It doesn't take a lot of time to say thank you. Darlene's a wonderful cook. She cooks all kinds of wonderful things, and I say thank you. 
The only time I didn't say thank you, honestly, was last night because she made this, what was that thing called? Uh, this blueberry puff thing. And um, Mitch and I, like, devoured the whole pan. And so, like, I'm going to bed going, oh, why do you do this to me, Darlene? Okay, so uh, that's about the only time I get after. But I, and she'll tell you this, I'll, I'll taste some and say, man, that, that is so good. I'm thankful for that. It's verbal. We, we're verbal. We need to be verbal people. Now, if it's negative, uh, seriously, don't have to say everything you think, okay? Now, of course, we've got a great relationship, so, on, and this, I'm serious about this. Very rare will she make something, I'll say, that wasn't some of your finest work, you know, and it'll be good, but won't quite be as good as she normally is, and, and she's okay with that, because she knows that 99.9% of the time, I'm going, oh, man, this is awesome. It, it's, it, Thanksgiving is verbal, so say thank you. Now, guys, we're notorious for not being very verbal, but that's baloney, because guys will talk for five hours about, you know, the buck they got, or the truck they got, or, or yeah, anything. We'll talk about all kinds of things, but they say, well, I'm just not very verbal. Well, you're verbal about everything else, so let's learn to be verbal to say thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful for you. I appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, say it. Thanksgiving is verbal, so your assignment is Guard what you think and say it. Say thankful, grateful things. And then the third one is just practice Thanksgiving every day. Practice it every day. It's not like some assignment that you got to just, oh, my, it's going to take so much time. I've told you these things before, but they're simple things. With regularity, I open up my refrigerator and I look in it and I say, thank you, Lord. I think this, this, this thing's full. We'll get groceries and we had to rearrange things to find room for things to fit in the cupboards or the, or the refrigerator. And I say, thank you. Thank you for the abundance that we walk in. And I say this too, because sometimes you may say, well, my refrigerator doesn't have anything in it. Do not let that happen to you. First of all, there's too many organizations that will help you, and we will help you. I, I don't want anyone to say, I struggle with not having enough food. That, that will not happen in this house if you'll just let us know that you really don't have food. That will not happen. We'll make sure you have food. So you can open up your refrigerator and say, thank you. Have you ever taken a, a nice long shower or bath and just say, thank you? You know, there's places around the world that you can't really get water like that. And you can say, thank you. You had enough health in your body to be here today. I'm not saying everything may be perfect in you, but you had enough health in your body to be here today. And that merits a thank you. You got a car out there that you're driving in. Or you had a friend who at least loved you enough to bring you to church and you got to use their car. They transported you. Thank you. Not only did you have a car, you had a chauffeur. I mean, how rich is that? You got chauffeured to the house of the Lord today. Thank you. Just practice being thankful. Maybe the boss or a friend or a neighbor or a coworker does something kind and nice, say thank you. Okay, I'll jump off the soapbox after this. <laughs> it's a good thing I got a good self-image because I would just be wilting here like oh that was too good okay now what was I going to say okay yes here it is and this could be any age but sometimes young people you have um, uh, maybe you want to go on a mission trip or you want to do something and somebody gives you some money I, I, I tell young people this Say somebody gave you $100 for your trip. Let's say 
they make $50 an hour, which about everybody say, I'd like to make $50. So we're just going to pretend they made 50 bucks an hour. They had to work over two hours because of taxation. Oh, and, and tithe, don't forget that. They had to work over two hours and to give you that money for you to go do whatever you want to do. And, and I don't really care for anything handwritten, but you could take 15 seconds to fire them off a text and say, thank you so much for that. That makes such a difference in my life. 15 seconds, they had to work over two to three hours to make that, to give it to you. It, 15 seconds deserves it. Now we've all dropped the ball on that, but we need to practice being thankful. Being thankful. It doesn't take long to be thankful. It's not hard to be thankful. So practice, practice, practice. Every day, being thankful.